0: We're live. All right. Here we go. Good evening to everyone and to everybody that is online with us tonight. This is the safe house. It's a brand new podcast here at Clare United Methodist Church. I am your guy, your man, Pastor Ferguson. And tonight is our very first episode, very first opportunity to share with everyone this new innovation that we have in this space. Um, I am here with my co-host let me go ahead and do the introduction for him um he has become a friend a brother he's well known to this congregation and he happens to be a lot more known in our area of the west ohio conference of the united Methodist church than even i so i am honored and privileged because you know when you have we have important people around you it's always a good thing so I want everybody that's here in person and online to give it up for my friend here, my brother Mitchell Harper.
1: What's up? What's up? It's good to be here. It's good to uh, I'm excited for this, man. This is going to be fun.
0: I know that's right. A lot of fun. I know that's right. Yeah. So just in case if you're online with us right now, here's what I need you to do. I need you to share, 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 share. This feed with everyone because this is our visual, given this is our first week and we're doing things live. If you want to always be with us live, we will always be on the Facebook live platform as well as our YouTube platform for all the live, all the live um, visuals. And then, of course, eventually, as everything gets completely set up, we will put the podcast episodes up each time on our podcast platform. We will give more information as the time comes. So we're here tonight to study together, to learn together. The whole point of the podcast and the whole point of this kind of a setup is to engage people in a bigger and a better way, to give ourselves the opportunity to have a space where we can learn, where we can understand, where we can be more and do more when it comes to our walk with Christ. And there's a whole lot of people that, for whatever reason, they just feel as if they can't talk about nothing. I've never understood that. I've never understood why people don't feel they can ask questions, talk to God about things, talk to people about things, um, come to church and actually have, you know, real conversations about stuff. Well, Mitchell. I,
1: I don't know that we've cultivated that those opportunities as well as just as the church in general I don't know that we've done a good job of of fostering that space for people to feel like they're safe to ask questions regardless what would we say at church on Sunday there are no dumb questions except for the question that goes unasked but some people need that convincing to feel like they aren't asking dumb questions and to feel like it's a safe space and we don't always do a good as, as good of a job as we can in making that happen
0: I've always, I've just wondered that so many times, and I think there's also the, there's also the reality that for whatever reason, we've been conditioned a lot to say to ourselves that we don't need or we shouldn't ask God questions. Like, I I don't, I don't understand it personally, because if, if your God can't handle your questions, then you must not be serving the right God. Um, and Just for those that are actually in the space, I know, well, you can't really see it completely. Well, some of y'all can see now, but we got some people that are coming in. You know, we got snacks going on, everything like that. And I know we got the in-person piece and all that stuff, but y'all can respond, y'all. It's all good. (laughs) It's all good. But I guess y'all got your mouths full, so that's all right.
1: (laughs) Priorities, priorities.
0: Of course, so loosen up, y'all. But I I think that's the importance of what we're doing. Is making sure that people understand that the God we serve can handle the questions that we have. So on Sunday, I shared with everyone that um, we would be reviewing, going over um, the message from this past Sunday. And this past Sunday, we're still in this series called NIL, Name, Image, and Likeness. And we just started our image section. And for those that are online or those that have not been able to be with us, I would suggest that you would go back and check out the messages, the services, the worship from the past few weeks and just get immersed into what it is that we're doing and what it is that we've been studying and learning and preaching. But um, this past Sunday was, I think, pretty interesting. Um, And I think there's a lot of things that came out of it. Um, We talked about a distorted image, and um, we were in Daniel the third chapter, verses one through seven. So, Mitchell, could you just um, read that for me, just real quick?
1: Absolutely. This is what the ESV English Standard Version, Daniel chapter three, verses one through seven says: King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, whose height was sixty cubits and its breadth six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura, on the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as you see all the the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages, fell down and worshiped the golden image that king Nebuchadnezzar had set up.
0: You got to be full of yourself to make an image of yourself and demand people to worship it. You know what I mean? It it it, it still kind of blows my mind that you got so much money <laughs> and you have so many people on the payroll that you got to build this ridiculous statue, and you telling people, I just want you to worship this image of me that I'm putting out there. Somehow, I want you to get in your mind that I'm really as big as this thing that you're going to bow down to. You know what I mean? Like like some people are really on that stuff.
1: Well, and I think, I don't don't know the history of it all, but I know that there was a, a point in time where, your societies would build images to the gods that they served. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know when we got to the point where we decided it was appropriate <laughs> to build images to be worshipped of ourselves. And I think that there's a a blurring of the lines there that I think is problematic to say the least.
0: Well, I mean, think about this for a minute though. I mean, really think about it. Like I know I know I ain't got no Nebuchadnezzar money, right? <laughs> I I know for a fact I ain't got no Nebuchadnezzar money. You, you know, All y'all that are up in here staring at me right now, licking your lips, you know, there ain't no way we got Nebuchadnezzar money with the size of our son. So there's no, so there's no way I could ever build something to look, make it look like myself. But I wonder, even though even though I don't have the resources to do that, could it be that if we don't understand who we are in God, Mm -hmm. we can still create an image that we want people to embrace? (laughs) If you could, so if you're in, yeah, if you, yeah, come to the mic, come to the mic.
1: I just want to say that that is what is happening in our government and really throughout the world. You have individuals who may not build physical statues, but they're building themselves up as gods. And they have people, for whatever reason, are following them because they believe what they are seeing. So that's how you get the cults. So we see that if you're really listening to the news and really watching the leaders... In our large countries, I mean, um, our nations—that's what's happening. So we see it today.
0: And I think that's the—and I think that's the kind of this difficult space that we find ourselves in, because we we have begun to learn about ourselves. More, like I think probably now more than ever, human beings are really trying to understand our we try to understand ourselves Hmm. but at the same time we're not taking into account that we put on this front or we put on these things because we want to project whatever we want to project
1: i I think our ego and god are always in a constant clash (laughs) oftentimes with one another if we don't have the proper uh guardrails for our ego I think sometimes you know it it creates a a dissonance
0: mhm it's a, it's it's a challenge so when we so when we were dealing with so when we were dealing with this on Sunday we came to at least 3 points but what I really want to find out tonight kind of to start out I really want to see where where people were After Sunday, it's one thing to see, and I, and I shared this on Sunday and I share it again right now. The hardest thing about pastoring a church is that when you're a pastor, you know, that Sunday morning is nothing but the lecture. Mm -hmm. Preaching is the lecture. Nobody gets to ask me questions during the lecture. You either shout or you're going to just sit there and marinate on it. (laughs) That the the lecture only has certain responses. Even if you don't shout, you may be thinking, but you have no space to ask the questions. But when you teach, sometimes people still want the lecture, but they don't feel like they need to ask the questions. So I really want people to ask the questions because we may not know we may not know what's really on the minds of people when they hear certain things. I mean, it was a lot of stuff said. Even I went back over the sermon and realized a whole lot of stuff said, and I had to look back at some things and recognize that there's some stuff that's connecting. So I want to give this portion to those that are in the space right now for your questions, your comments, your thoughts around this past Sunday's message so we can try to generate some conversation around it. So in the room, we have a mic set up that's already been used, so we want to make sure that Not only do we hear the question, but there are people online that are following us that can hear the questions and engage. Also, if you're online with us right now and you're live with us, please, 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 we are tracking all of your comments. So if you got questions, please comment, let us know, and we'll definitely get to your questions as well, your thoughts as well. So I hope everybody prepared.
1: (laughs) It's time for office hours.
0: Don't be nervous, please come to the mic if you got thoughts on your mind questions or anything like that look, look, praise the lord look this is this is how you know things are about to get could you come to the mic you come to the mic. yeah yeah town hall style, town hall style.
2: <laughs> i I was just wondering what. Where Nebuchadnezzar, where he got to where he felt like he was so big, I mean what what in his life, even though the money, yeah, we know that, but what else in his life to make he think that he was such a guy that he needed everybody to kneel before him?
0: what well, I mean is i mean think about think about what it must be like to be a successful king,
1: an unsuccessful king,
0: I mean, yeah, you wanna go there, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well let's 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 then let's beyond let's keep it there. When you are a monarch,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? You wear the crown. The culture says that if you wear the crown, you got the juice. Now don't 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 be successful <laughs> because it just makes it that much worse, right? Don't let your don't let the country have money, don't let the country have everything and then some. Don't don't be a success.
3: Don't win a war.
0: Don't don't do all that yeah. because then you're now seen in a certain light, and you begin to take in, you let your ego get fed, and and if we're honest, I don't know I don't know anybody that can that won't say that. Well, if you don't say yes to this, then I'll ask questions offline. But everybody in here at some point wants that ego stroke. It's just a matter of how much. There, there's nothing wrong with. Knowing that you're good at something, right? Nothing wrong with it. If you know you're good at something, yeah, you should feel good about that. But then it's a whole nother thing. If you know you're good at something, but you take it to the nth degree and say, "Well, you can't do nothing without me," that's that's a that's a totally different mentality. You know? Have you ever been around those people? Who say, you know, they say to you, like, uh, "Well, I've heard this from some people when." You're dealing with certain types of relationships whether they're romantic or otherwise those people say nobody wants you but me Ooh. um Ooh. you ain't gonna be wait you ain't gonna make it without me <laughs> 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 wait wait <laughs> temptations without David Ruffin are some fake temps. Some
1: fake temps.
0: Yeah. yeah I mean but it's but it's but you see what I mean you can be great. But what happens when you begin to go to that next level, Nebuchadnezzar took it to the next level because he was seeing the type of success that he had set out and go back to Daniel chapter one. When you look in there and you see how they went and captured, they they didn't capture everybody in Israel. Babylon didn't go into Israel and take everyone. They went in and found the brightest the youngest and the best and the reason he went for them was what because he knew that if I can get them young impressionable and at the beginning of their talent if I can mold them to fit in my in my image or into what I want them to be I know that my kingdom will be successful and so here we are everything is a success because again you got to have some cheese to make an image for yourself
1: well and i think i think we have to also acknowledge and again not to get too far into the weeds but like an ancient king is is the conduit for for whatever god that community worships there you go and so if he's out here conquering other other communities, that's a win for, for, for the God that has put him in the position that he is in. And so you start to blur those lines a little bit between I am the ambassador for God. It's a very short distance to I am God. So... <laughs> You know, that ego trip can can happen, and when you have the means to support that ego and when you have the yes-men to support that ego, it's a a toxic mess very quickly.
4: Extreme mess. I appreciate you uh, touching on that because that's a perfect segue into the the comment I was getting ready to make. Um, The egocentric nature of monarchs, just like Pastor just touched on, is not new, even in this particular passage. There was a blueprint already set. Thousands of years of Kemetic kings believed they were gods. All the way up into Herod, who who was, um, and even beyond. We, we, we're dealing with the Babylonian kings now. Um, but all of them, their ego were, was, was beyond just egocentric. They believed to be gods. And it was not a, a stretch to believe that I should have a, um, a monument that spoke to, to my accomplishments, not just my, not just my accomplishment, but to the reverence that I believe that you should have toward me and what I am. Um, my question is, is why is it still this way as you touched on it um, we're still seeing these monuments statues are still being put up um, you've got a whole building dedicated to to these monuments and statues of ourselves for every every sport known to man and 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 we we don't see it the same way we don't view it the same way but it is the same thing
0: there is a there is a practice in our country specifically that happens when we attempt to take the starch or the power out of a message or a messenger Be careful when you deify people because then it takes away the power and the potency of the message. So everybody on the planet knows about the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Now, I got a whole picture in our house family uh, family friend went to the dedication, took a picture of Martin's kids touching the It's a beautiful image, right? But here's the problem. The problem is that now that he has been deified, people find a way to take the message that he gave and water it down. So when we, so when we put up images that do not show the reality of who that person really is. Like, now mind you, I went, I went to the I went to the monument. I went to the monument with a few of my brothers. It was a powerful image to see all that stuff in DC, okay? But I also realized that there are a whole lot of people right now that w- when January comes around, they will be quoting Martin Luther King Jr., and they will be quoting him based upon things that they can handle, and they will not quote him according to the things that made him most controversial.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Nobody wants real images of real things and people. They want to see what they can what? Reverence And handle. You got the you got the you got the um, statue of Michael Jordan in front of the United Center, right? Yeah, he won six championships. Probably the greatest of all time. But when you see that image, you're not talking about the fact that he got gambling issues. You're always looking at the image of what the player. You're not talking about how bad of a GM he was. (laughs) Come on, man. Let's talk. This is not even in the weeds. You see that image. You you don't talk about how bad of a GM he was in the league, how bad an executive he was in the league. No. You talk about him winning six championships, going 6-0 and in the finals. You see what I'm saying? Every time you see that image, that's all that comes to your mind. You don't think about none of that other stuff. That's what happens with images. I only want you to see what I want you to see. Nebuchadnezzar was not going to show people that he was insecure.
1: And I think, and and again, this may be out of left field, but we also have to talk about the social dynamics that come with someone who is capable of, whitewashing their image, for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. Um, and someone who devalues the image of the other people so much that he doesn't respect them enough to understand that in spite of this beautiful image that I've created, that there is an actual human being behind this who does have flaws. Like, Like, I don't respect you enough. To think that you can see past the veneer that I have created, and uh, to to the question, to to the point, I think you wonder why that why that's still happening today, and like we have to get past the fact that like a couple days ago we just had terrorist attack Israel again, like like this this and it's it's going to happen constantly because we don't appreciate the image of God that's within each of us, Mm -hmm. that's within each and every one of us. And until we can do that, there are always going to be people who value their image greater than other people's images. And if that goes unchecked, then, I mean, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar is capturing people out of Israel and they're dropping bombs on Israel today. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's not, We're we're not doing anything different. We're not doing anything better.
0: So check this out. Y'all that are in here, some of y'all got your notebooks. I need y'all to start taking some notes because I'm going to bring up something here. The image image piece, you can actually find the image piece dealing with Nebuchadnezzar in the way that he named four brothers. Mm -hmm. All right? The four brothers that are really – at the center of the story of the Book of Daniel, right? Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. That's their government names. That's that's what their mama named them. No, my bad. Culturally speaking, that's what their daddies named right. them. <laughs> <laughs> we we still teaching. That's the their daddies named them. Okay. Now listen. Now listen to the to the meaning of of the names, right? Daniel means God is my judge. Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. Azariah means Yahweh has helped. And then Mishael means who is equal to God, as in, as in the question.
1: I was going to say, is that a question? Or That's a the question, okay. yes. All right.
0: Who is equal to God? Now, in all those name meetings, you do not see or hear or witness anything about the names of these four making themselves equal to God. All the names show reverence for God. But here comes what their names were changed to in Babylon. Mm-hmm. Daniel's name was Belt, was Belshazzar. And his name meant Bell protects the king. I, I, look, look, I, I like when stuff starts marinating. Look at y'all. Boy, y'all already marinating. Okay. Belshazzar means Bell protects the the king shadrach means aku's command or the servant of sin Cap- sin
1: capital s
0: yes meshach guest of the king or shadow of the prince abednego servant of ishtar Servant of the Perfect Light.
1: I feel like we could have a whole conversation just on on these names alone. We could have a whole conversation.
0: We've been saying this: names are important, y'all. Now, why is it important? When you go back and you see how these four responded to the way that Nebuchadnezzar was trying to reprogram all these young men. They never backed down. They didn't eat the same stuff. They didn't do all the things that they were told they could do. They never ate from the king's table. They did X-Y's, they never did any of that. They stuck to what they knew at their core. Right? So when you stick to the core of who you are, it is difficult to embrace anything else. Right? Which then makes more sense as to when you go later in chapter 3 of Daniel, why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow. Because they didn't do it then, and they weren't going to do it now. Why? Because even though they were given a name, they never what? Embraced that thing. They didn't embrace the concept of what that meant. Think Think about anybody that you know. Right, think it, what's the phrase? Like you see some people be like, "Boy, you changed."
2: Mm.
0: Sometimes that phrase is not always in the affirmative. Sometimes we change sometimes we change not for the better for, but for the worse. And it's because we started to embrace ideas that were never supposed to be a part of who we are. And the more we embrace it, the more we're now conditioned to give off what? A different image, a different idea, a different concept. And here we are putting in all this work to put something out here that was never supposed to be attached to us in the first place
1: i think back to uh to roots talk about it man there you go where they, i mean i mean Kunta kente knows who he is right you better bring him up and you can you can <laughs> you can change his name all you want to and tell him what his name is going to be but because he is rooted in who he knows himself to be and there's no amount of anything that you can do to him to take that out of him. And these four can't go into Babylonian exile without knowing who they are. Otherwise, Nebuchadnezzar changing their name can change their entire identity. Because of what the names mean. You know what I mean? Like, like, And sometimes you go along to get along, but They didn't, and I think that, I mean, that you can change my name, but I know who I am.
3: Um, With the point that he just brought up, I feel like um, a lot of stuff that we're seeing where I feel like we see a disconnect with church community and, like, younger audiences, but not just younger audiences. That's what people fail to talk about. It's a lot of people who have grown up in church, in an image that wasn't the right kind of image a church should mm. be portraying, mm. and that has distanced them from God, and a lot of them it takes a lot of time to jump back into that. But I guess what my question really is is, is it really? I feel like it's irresponsible to go along to get along, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. because I feel like that's what we're seeing today, where why God isn't preached and. You know, why people are allowed to believe cer certain things so long, and get so much aff- affirmation with them when they're sinful or detrimental to their like soul or their spirit? Boy, you better talk, mm-hmm.
0: man. That's a, that that's a little, of, yeah, that's our God's son right there, <laughs> there. That boy, that boy came with it. This and this is why we're doing this yeah. because you got to you got to feel safe enough to go ahead and just call it for what it is. A lot of things. A lot of stuff that we have in church culture. I'm going to define it. There's a difference between church culture, um, the organization called the church, and the organism. That's the church. There's a di- there's a difference in all three. Part of the reason. Part of the reason we have that struggle is because we've put more weight on church culture and the organization of the church then going back to the dna of being the church one of the points one of the points that i brought up on sunday based on this question what causes us to gain a distorted image of self is the very first point placing more weight on position than purpose the church the church, and we have to own this, y'all. The church as, organi- as organization, we placed more emphasis for years on how many people came into our churches, the type of folk that were a part of our churches. Can we talk about it? Can we really, t- no, can we really talk about it? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it whether you like it or not. We place we placed a lot of emphasis on who had the money in the church, who had the giftings in the church, all this stuff, and in doing so, we alienated so many people who just wanted to encounter God. And we have to own it. Amen. We gotta own it. Yeah, absolutely. Because we place more emphasis on whether or not we had position, placement, importance in the life of the organization called the church, right. even Bishop Palmer brought this up. I think at annual conference, and and, it, and the whole house got silent. But he talked about how the United Methodist Church always placed so much emphasis on the fact that we were the largest denomination in America. And we had the majority of people coming and all this kind of stuff across the country. And now we've seen such a steady decline, not just in churches across the board, but within our own denomination. And so the things that we hung our hat on forever, it's just not working anymore. It's just, and look, let's get deeper. In the black church, we can't hang our hat on talking about being connected to the civil rights movement if we ain't doing nothing now. That's called history. You see see what I mean? And, and, And I don't have a problem with talking about history, but I do have a problem when we continue to go back and act as if we live there. We don't live there no more. This ain't, look, look, this ain't, look. Oh, and, and P.S., and P.S., if you just feel it in your spirit, just make your way to the mic. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay, y'all. If you feel it in your spirit, you can just make your way to the mic even while we're talking. But that these things are very important because we have, we have to make sure that we're giving the right kind of image to the world. That it's not about us, but it's about the God we serve and that we are trying to represent Christ in the best
4: way possible. You touched on the organism of the church. There's a word that um, uh, our mentor loved to use, especially with me, and it was anthropomorphism. Mm. And what that means is giving human-like qualities to God. And the human aspect of the church is what's been missing. The feelings, the... Uh, church is referred to the church in the Bible is referred to as a bridegroom. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when Christ comes back for, it, that's what he's looking for is, uh, is, is the bridegroom without a spot or a wrinkle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just touched on it, the organization and the culture of, of, um, of church has, has completely overshadowed, um, the, the human element the the likeness uh, of, of God how we're supposed to act towards each other how we're supposed to act towards the people that are searching for for God um not trying to get too far away from what we're talking about right now it's easy to see how that's lost especially we're dealing with with Nebuchadnezzar and and how he's dealing with these young folk um, in, in, in his image, how they how he wants them to view him. How do we combat that? Because we're still dealing with leaders in the organization of church that have really hijacked, um, for lack of a better word, the, the minds of, of young people. to to the point of where um, we don't need to be in church. We don't need to be in fellowship. We don't need to be in Bible study. We don't need all of these things that we know for a fact is necessary to be closer because the word says to study to show yourself approved. But we don't feel like we need to study because we have all of these images and these likenesses that's telling us, no, no, you can can sit at home and, and still get the same thing how how do how do we how do we deal with that
1: so one only one pushback I would I would give to that is to say that it's not just the leaders in the church that are creating that it's that's right it's it's everybody it's 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 from the person who doesn't who who has turned their seat in the sanctuary into that statue of Nebuchadnezzar it's for a congregation that has turned their church building into that statue of nebuchadnezzar what are you talking in here it's for a collection of churches that have turned their denomination into that statue of nebuchadnezzar it it has permeated the entirety of what we do is to make sure that you know because we because we feel like we are the only way which we are But when you get into that aspect of the way that we do it is the right way, I think speaks to your point a little bit where we got to hold the church accountable for why people don't feel like they are welcome to come here and learn and to be challenged and to feel safe enough to ask questions because we have created an environment that doesn't always allow for people to come as their full authentic selves because, because, there are people amongst us and i and it's nobody in particular, right? But we each create our own gates that we keep, right? And so again, whether it's whether it's the pew, whether or not it's because it's my grandmama's name that's on the fellowship hall, like it's always something that we don't want to let go of to to build up the to keep the main thing the main thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that, that's all I was going to say. Nah, no you
0: no nah, you, you said you said it all really the The only other thing I would bring up too is the fact that um, when we uh, let me say it this way, there's nothing wrong with taking pride
1: yeah.
0: in what you do mm-hmm. as a local faith community, correct. It becomes problematic. When what you do becomes your identity.
1: Yes. Well said. Explain, yeah. explain
0: that. So, so if I, if Claire is if Claire is only known for having great preaching and teaching, and that's what we would hang our hat on then we would be placing more emphasis on keeping that up than doing all the other work of ministry. There's a lot of churches, and it's not necessary. and I'm going to say it this way, it's not necessarily a, it's not necessarily people's fault, but there are places that are known for certain things. And after a while, After a while, it's one one thing to be known for a thing. It's another thing to then fully embrace it all the way. This is is it for us. And then all of a sudden, when you have fully embraced that thing, and then all of a sudden, God's like, I'm trying to do a new thing in you. May send you a pastor, a leader, or a group of people that don't fit that mold. But now it's the season to go into these different things, right? What happens? You end up having fights. No, it ain't pushback. <laughs> no. Straight up, this ain't us. Now look, I've been look, I've been at this too long now. I've been, I've been pastored too many churches. I pastored a church. No, let me say it right. I was in the position as pastor of a church where they said they wanted to be progressive in ministry but got mad because we decided to do something simple like wave at folk that were passing by the church because we said, hey, there are folk in this life that don't see people's smiling faces. And there were people that decided to say that it was a disruption to the Sunday morning experience. Wait for it, though. We were outside where the people are passing by it was a church that was on a main drag and wait for it. It was young adults that wanted to do it. And they don't, we don't do that. And even to this day, it still gets me angry because we don't do that. Well, cool. (laughs) You don't do that, which means that you are content with having a country club. And if you're content with having a country club that pays dues and you don't even do that well. I, 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 just came from a, I just came from a retreat, and I'm not supposed to say this to myself, but preach, black man. Listen, I know I'm right. Listen, when you, when you can say that, here's the, here's the point. When you can say out of your mouth, that doing anything to connect with human beings is not church. That means you're gatekeeping something that God did not establish. And you would rather people see you dressed up inside than showing the love of God outside. That's problematic.
1: And I okay. Oh, go go, no no, go, ahead. no go ahead. I was going to say this because I know that. Brother here wants to, wants to say something. But, uh, but I think we got to talk about how, and this is, this is part of the ego conversation, but, like, we, we all need to go to therapy because we're just projecting. Talk, man. Or, like, we're just projecting on each other for, for no reason. And because, because I'm uncomfortable doing evangelism this way or because I'm uncomfortable worshiping this way, it is now my responsibility to make sure that it doesn't happen Talk, man. Because, because my projection is is the only I can't get past that. Like I'm projecting onto you because of my insecurities as to how I want to do evangelism. And if we, <laughs> you need you need to go to therapy, bro. Like that's all I, mean, I can say. Like, <laughs> and this
0: and this is the and this is the part where we say as a as a as a moment of commercial you can't have Jesus and a therapist. Right. Because because some because some of us need to know that you show sure enough need Jesus and a therapist, <laughs> and you need to thank God that some of us have Jesus and a therapist. <laughs> okay, come on, man.
3: <laughs> um, I just actually wanted to touch on um, his point uh, that um, I feel like younger people, like I, I feel like there's nebuchadnezzars like yes we should focus on like reformations within the church to make sure that we are not losing sight ourselves that's where it starts to be able to spread but i feel like outside the church has become a very very big like thing because i feel like in certain aspects you can say your government you can say school systems you can say society in general have been in ways nebuchadnezzars because there's ways that they want you to act and go along with things to get along with things and i feel like there's a lot of people honestly that are not with that like i feel like a lot of people do like have some sort of love to god some sort of morality that pulls them towards god or some sort of like calling that they have mm-hmm. but they are from some from getting canceled from bullies from um getting in trouble prosecution whatever they are scared to go after that because, again, it's like they're just going along with things, even though they don't hold the views themselves. And I feel like it's a bigger majority than giving credit. But I don't, as myself, see any way of combating that. And I feel like that's where a lot of other people get stuck, but they don't reach out and like ask people what to do about it.
0: So let's look at the, let's look at let's look at this scripture in Daniel three around. Um, Let's go to Let's go to verse 15. Because I want to because I think we can address this plus a few things. Daniel 3 verse 15. We'll start there. This is after Nebuchadnezzar finds out that um Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow down, okay? And Nebuchadnezzar is actually trying to give them another chance. Because remember, certain people, if certain people are making you paid and making you successful, there's a part of you that doesn't want to do the things you just said. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar said, you don't bow down, throwing you in the furnace. He saw that three of his most important people didn't do it. This is the part where he's giving them a second chance. But listen to him. 15. Now if you are now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship. You shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Here's the part. Mm -hmm. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? That's ego. Right? Stay in there. We're 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 going a little further. Now, you want to know about people not telling us or teaching us about how to stand firm. Convictions are rooted in relationship. Convictions are rooted in relationship. I don't do certain things, not because I'm afraid of God, but because I love God, I honor God, and I trust God. I don't I don't get into fights or this, that, and the other, not because I'm afraid of how God is going to punish me, but because I want to represent God well. You see the difference? See, most people, and I think if we're honest, most of us grew up with a punitive view of God. And because we grew up with that punitive view of God, the first thing that happens is, If I do this or this and I'm out of God's will, God's going to punish me. I want you to listen to these brothers, okay? 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Here we go. But it's 18 is the shout. Not this other stuff. 18 is the shout. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, Or worship the golden image that you have set up. Here is where we fail. The reason people, you didn't use this term, but I'm going to use it. The reason people sell out is because they are not willing to sacrifice anything of worth. Nobody wants to go through pain. That's why I tell folks. If you say that you are called to this thing called ministry, you are calling yourself to a path that eventually you're going to have to stand and die on it. And that is why I don't take anything from anybody anymore because the first question that comes out of my mouth, what are you willing to sacrifice to do this?
1: I'm going to play devil's advocate just a little bit. Go ahead. I think, on the, on the inverse of that, on the flip of that, the only thing that some people are willing to do is die.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. you got people who, well, I'll lay down my life for blah, 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 but then don't know how to talk to their neighbor. Right. Don't know how to be hospitable. Right. Don't know how to ask for forgiveness. Don't know how to show grace. Don't, you know, like more than likely, most of us are never going to end up in a situation where that's the cost. Should we be ready for it if that is the cost? Yes. But I think that we, we miss the mark so often because we only assume that we have to be prepared for the worst when we aren't willing to do the everyday stuff that, that helps prove our conviction. You know what I mean? So here's
0: so so let's take it another step. We're actually saying the same thing. Yeah. Because there is a death involved. Mm. Because when I engage with you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There it is. There you see what is. I mean? Like
0: when I when I engage with you, I'm not coming to you as Dr. Ferguson. Yeah. You see what I mean? I'm not coming with all this stuff. I'm coming to you as a brother in Christ that has something to offer that even my books and my Book learning can't always offer. Right. You see what I mean? And I think that what we have done, we have dismissed so much stuff because we we bring this thing. We bring whoever we are to this thing. And, look, I, I'll tell everybody, I'm an introvert. But sometimes when people I meet, guess what? Even the introvert has to die sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So that I can, what, engage people, meet with people embrace people because some people that are coming, they don't need to hear me in a pulpit. Some people come, they need a hug. And I tell people all the time, I know my personality. I don't always want to be around people, but something has to die. So that if God has placed me in a position at that time, I have to be able to say, if I say I love God and God says, give this gift freely, then guess what I ought to do as it was given to me freely. What am I supposed to do? And if I don't let that die, then I'm still not, I'm not standing on any kind of conviction whatsoever. There's always going to be a death involved. Mm -hmm. It may not be to this extreme, but there has to be one. Because ultimately people should see Christ, not you. Mm -hmm. Because if all they see is you, then guess what? That's all they're going to get that's Oof. it and and that's a Oof. and guess what I don't care how nice you are how good you are whatever if all they gonna get is you they're in a world of trouble
2: so the thing that kind of jumped out at me when we got on this topic about selling out is I think there's a flip side to this and there is we put ourselves in a position as a church that people then think out of their faith that they have bought in
0: okay to mm. a concept. I like that I like that
2: and so in buying in, right, with my money, my time, my talent, my children, my my whatever, whatever you sacrifice to be that thing in the church, right, I can't be a sellout because I gave it all for God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that there has to become a safe space where people can come and, and, and have these conversations, but when we go back to the place of, well, our way is the only way. Most of the time, people only make that statement because they're afraid to have the conversation about another way because they can't defend their way because they don't understand their way. So, that's
0: it. No, that's good stuff. No, that's that's. And I'm glad that you. And I, but, but here's the, but here's a, but but that, but to understand that statement comes from a very real place, because like. A, Like I shared before, three different types of things we deal with in the church. Church culture, organization, known as the church, and the organism. When you have church culture working with the organism, people can feel that because I gave all and then I didn't get a return. Let's let's put it like this. The difficulty of being a pastor, not just in a not just in the COVID era, but in a in a general sense. Well, let me say, it, let me be even more clear, more explicit. Being a pastor that is committed to pastoring people, the hardest thing in the world is when you're in a culture that wants you to be something that you are not at all, at your core. One of the things that we don't talk about is when people are called to this thing. God didn't call my credentials. God didn't call everyone around me. God called me. And that's all the things that come with being me. When we go into environments that do not allow you to be authentically you, and we perpetuate that thing from the pastor to leaders to others, and we give the wrong ideas and the wrong image of who we are supposed to be as the church, people get harmed in the process. And when I mean harm, I'm talking about bad theology. I'm talking about people all of a sudden feeling like folk have failed them because you're supposed to be this. Well, who told you that? You know what I mean? We, as a family... We done gone through a whole lot of stuff. This is this is a kind of a personal moment, but it is what it is. Y'all done heard me say a whole bunch of stuff. But part of the reason I have become so dogmatic and so this way now that I'm in ministry is because I was a part of church culture and the organization of church that said. If you do this, and you do this, and you do this, they got to embrace you. I got four degrees. I knew how to do, listen, y'all, I know what I am today, but back in the day, I look, I dressed the part, I did all that stuff. I had, look, robes all down, everything like that, the whole night. But the thing that was being dressed up was I was being I was allowing myself to dress up and not be authentic. If I stopped being authentic, maybe it would pay off mm. And guess what happened? I bought in and get, and I'm going just and I'm being real because I got no other way to be it harmed the people that mattered most to me because they had to watch me they had to watch me sell out and it never produced anything whatsoever that's why now when I say I thank God for where I am today, it is because for the first time I'm in a space where I can be 100% myself. Mm. I ain't got to put on no airs. And why? Why should
1: I? Yeah. Yeah. There's a. This is not an original thought, but when you were preaching on Sunday, I wrote this down because it, it just came to me, but it said being authentic is an act of resistance. Yes, sir. <laughs> Say that again. Being authentic is an act of resistance because, again, to your point, society wants you to show up a certain type of way, regardless of how much you pare down what society is, whether that's the church society, whether that's society at large. Their goal oftentimes is to get you to show up the way they want you to show up. Being authentic is an act of resistance. So if you know who you are, be who you are. Because you're made in the image of God, right? What was what was brother's name? Mishael? Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to let Nebuchadnezzar tell him, I don't know what God can save you from this when my name literally means who is equal to God. I know who I am. And I'm not selling out just because you tell me to. Like, you have to be authentic because God can work with that authenticity right? He he can meet you in the midst of that, but it's when we start trying to convince people that we are something other than what we truly are is when we run into when we run into issues, when we feel like we got to build statues to ourselves so people look at us the way we want them to to look at us.
0: And and here and here's the payoff, right? When you know who you are in God. Because let's let's be clear. Who you really are Begins with you having a real, honest relationship with God. Real and honest. You may not be where you want to be. Cool. And I'm going to say that again. You may not be anywhere near where you want to be right now. But I know this. If you're honest enough with God. They say, God, I know that you got more for me and you're trying to get me where I need to be. Help me to get there. God will get you there. God will get you there. Now, here is the payoff, though, of being authentic. Hear the word of the Lord again. 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression on his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound in the fire, burning fiery furnace. Time out is one of my favorite miracles in the whole Bible. And people will be like, where's the miracle? If you didn't read, then you missed it. They were bound. They had on layers. And they were thrown in by men stronger than them. But the backdraft killed those that threw them in. And the text says they fell in. So they fell into something that was seven times hotter but the ones that threw them in died. Understand this. Thank you, Jesus. Authenticity can insulate you. Mm. Mm. Somebody better write that down. (laughs) Authenticity can insulate you. I preached a sermon back in years ago called fireproof for the test. And I used to just talk about being fireproof, but now this is the revelation. Your, your authenticity in God can insulate you from anything that the enemy would try to bring upon you. Mm -hmm. Everybody want to get away from the fire. But you don't realize that if you are authentic with God, you can go into it and not be burned. But you see, if we are only talking about church culture and the organization, nobody would have got that revelation at all. You would believe that as long as I was around the right people, clicked up with the right folk and all that stuff, that would insulate me. No, that would burn you up.
1: No, go ahead. You were preaching. Go ahead. <sighs> you can't allow
0: yourself. See, if you're authentic with God and God works on you and you show the conviction and here's how everything ties back going months before, I believe but help my unbelief. That's authenticity. You ain't got, you Showed up because you believe God can do anything in you through you for you. That's why you showed up. You didn't show up to church. You didn't show up tonight just because someone told you to. You showed up and made a sacrifice to be in the space because you believe God will meet you wherever you are. That's why you showed up. I don't care what snacks we had. That's why you showed up. You buy most of y'all buy your own snacks, okay? Right? <laughs> <laughs> But but here's the truth. When people come to the house of God, you're not coming to the house of God because you got the answers. You're coming to the house of God to have an encounter with God. When you pray, you're not praying because someone told you to pray. You're trying to have an encounter with God. But if you're honest, you say, look, here's the stuff that's pressing me, but I'm coming to you because I believe in you. So help this stuff from not messing with this stuff. Listen to those brothers again. We know that our God can deliver us. But even if our God doesn't, we will never bow down to you. Do you understand how powerful a statement that is? Authenticity is resistance. I refuse to buy in. I didn't buy in then. I'm not buying in now. You can do what you want, but I sure ain't going to buy in when my life's on the line. Because that ain't me. How many people can actually say that?
1: Right. Right.
0: And that's the part we're trying to grow to. Can you actually say, I'm going to be authentic enough to say, you know what, some of this stuff that I've dealt with all these years just might not be it. (laughs) Can, Can we be honest enough and say, you know what, some of this stuff that we've been doing, we've been doing it for all this time, I don't understand it. Does it even line up with what God wants And can you be bold enough to even say that to yourself in front of people that put more emphasis, here it is again, on culture and organization than being the living body of Christ. Now, here comes the end. Here comes the end because now I done found the revelation, and here we go. Watch what happens when you're authentic. They were bound, thrown in. They were bound hand and foot, landed in their bound. 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, he said he answered and said, but I see four unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning, fiery furnace, he declared Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, watch this, servants of the most high God. What? Didn't he say, who going to save you from my hand? Mm -hmm. And then he comes up to the thing that was supposed to define who he was, got to the door and said, he said their names and said, Servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. It came out the fire. Everybody that was there gathered together. They saw that they didn't smell like smoke. Hair wasn't singed. Nothing was burned. But I want you to hear this part. In 28, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than than serve and worship any god except their own god. Listen to his change in tune. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. Here it is, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. And on top of that, watch this, and the king promoted (laughs) Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So when you actually hold fast and you stay who you are in God, even the people that set up stuff against you cannot deny who God is. That's why you go through. To be a to be what a representation of what God can do don't worry about the flames know that God has got you in it other people can't go through what you're going through <laughs> everybody wants your spot until they see
1: yeah because because we talk about a gold statue you turn up that furnace seven times higher talk man that statue gonna melt in that fire. Yes, sir. So I'm just saying, I'm putting y'all in the fire and y'all ain't burning up when I know that this image I've concocted of myself will fall apart like that.
0: Ain't that something? So hopefully tonight, if nothing else, gather this in your mind. And I'm and we're gonna tonight I'm gonna, I'm gonna just drop these quick pearls and then we're then we're done for the evening when you understand your image in relationship to God other portrayals will not intimidate you having a clear view of God will not allow you to settle for a poor imitation. Mm. Commitment to God will fireproof you through every test. And ultimately, when real power arrives, poor images must bow down. And if we was in church on Sunday morning, we know how it would close. At the name of Jesus, (laughs) every knee shall bow. (laughs) You know, but it's the truth. When real power shows up, Mm. everything got to bow down. Even Nebuchadnezzar had to bow down. Didn't we throw in three? Bound. I see four walking around unbound. You don't have to settle for a poor imitation of of an image. Get rooted in what you're supposed to be rooted in. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Um, Mitchell, could you do me a favor tonight and pray us out, and then I'll give quick announcement after the prayer, and then we will be done for the evening.
1: Let's go. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity for us to gather together and and to just start tearing it apart get in dig into this word and, and tear it apart and and understand it better so that we understand the image that we've been created in, Lord, and so that we don't have to fall for any of these distorted images. And and help us to see ourselves through you and see you through ourselves and and, and understand that we're in this together. We we, we are a team and, and we if we hold fast to each other, we can overcome whatever flames they may try to throw us into. So we just, uh, we thank you for this opportunity to do this. Thank you for this opportunity to do something a little different. And uh, we just ask that you continue to be with us as we do this, as, as we go out from here today, as we reconvene at a later time. But uh, we we just want to say thank you for for where you've put us and what you've allowed us to do, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. So we're grateful for, Everyone that's been online with us tonight, everyone that's come tonight, this is the format that we're trying to go with going forward in our Bible study. So we're thankful that you've been with us this evening, thankful for everybody that's been online with us. As we get ready to do more with the audio piece, we're going to give out the information as we get everything finalized and set up properly. So this will all this from tonight and every episode going forward will be offered on different platforms, on podcast platforms that you can listen to at any given time. And also, if we get it set up right, possibly by next week, we're, we're, we're not going to s- stay with it necessarily. We'll see how feasible after we kind of review things. But we will have a call-in option for those of you that go- follow us online And you will be with us online. We're going to put out a number that you can call in and ask your questions as well. We are really trying to generate the kind of activity and conversation that allows for us to be able to learn and study together. Amen? Amen. Hopefully this has been a blessing to all of you in here and to all of you online. God bless you. And we will see you Sunday at 10 a.m. And then back here for our study next Wednesday at 630. God bless you.
1: Amen.